Hello, and welcome to another episode of Envisioneering Exchange, the podcast where industry leaders discuss the most important topics in sustainability, climate change, buildings, and urban efficiency. I'm Vic Marinich, Global Marketing Director for Danfoss, and I'm delighted to be the host of the podcast. You can subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, we have Ashley Watson on the show to talk about diversity and inclusion, employee resource groups, why they're important to a company's mission, and their role in the business success. Ashley is the Global Head of Diversity and Inclusion at Danfoss, creating a global roadmap for building a more inclusive workforce. Ashley, it's an honor to have you on the show. Vic, it's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So Ashley, tell us a bit about your background and how your experience has influenced you in your role at Danfoss. Well... I don't think we have enough time to talk about my background, actually. Um, Well, my background stemmed from uh, over 20 years in the federal government dealing with diversity and inclusion in conjunction with the HR practices and operations. So for the entire like life cycle of an employee from the time that you recruit, that's where I was in and benefits and staffing and learning and development, leadership development, all of that great things kind of make up my background. So getting the full depth and breadth of HR practices. And then coming into Danfoss, I kind of ended my career in uh, federal government because I wanted to see a change to be a part of something bigger, although you can call the federal government bigger. <laughs> but I really wanted to get into an organization that really made an impact mm-hmm. and really made a difference in the world. So that's why I wanted to end the rest of my career and longevity and working in that type of space. So uh, Danfoss came across my page to say, hey, we're interested in you. And I was like, OK, who's Danfoss? <laughs> Fantastic. So it must be a big change going from government and public sector to the private sector. Yeah. How did it feel coming uh, off into the uh, private sector? A sigh of relief. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because with the federal government, especially on the American side of the house, there's a lot of red tape. There's a lot of things that you can and cannot do, not only on a personal note, but also professionally when you're actually running a business. And when it came to diversity and inclusion, it was the hottest topic over the last few years. It was one of the highest professions that have increased almost double its value over the last three to four years due to the murder of George Floyd. So that started a lot of conversation. So it was really difficult. And the federal government that I came from had a lot of history when it came to diversity and racial ties. And just to unmask that and kind of drive the organization forward was very difficult. But you learn a lot and you see a lot. So coming from there was just like, okay, you know, the the one, two, threes of the business and the and the foundation of the uh, the work. So making the decision to leave was really hard because you invested so much. You you know, grow your family in, in a certain organization. You, you kind of build this nest of folks that you know and grow to love and network that you kind of have, really have a tight knit. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I, I think I'm ready to to leave the nest, you know, and see what else is out there. So that was a really difficult decision because when you've invested so much and time, you're, you're kind of scared to see what else is out there. So that was a, a learning process. And then just knowing how diversity inclusion was such a big, sexy topic, if you will, coming to uh, the other side of the world is like, okay, how do we really sell this? Like, is it really something of interest to people? And you question that. And then you question your capabilities because everybody wants you. If you have diversity and inclusion in your type, they want you. But then you're like, well, if you want me, am I just a number? 
or am I just a figurehead? So how important am I to your organization? And that becomes not only for this space, but for anyone that's going into a different role. You know, do I add value? So that was kind of like another mental task that you had to deal with. So outside of that, I'm glad I kind of did the Russian roulette and, (laughs) you know, played the cards and bet on myself to say, you know, I can really do this, but it's more freedom. I will say. And I love that that, uh, Dan Foss really allows you to be innovative and kind of bring those thoughts to the table of how do we push the needle a little bit within reason. Of course, you don't want to go off the beaten path, but they're really there to listen. I love that Mm -hmm. about the space and it really adds value to the work as well. So transitioning was a mental thing on a personal side, but and actually doing it, I'm kind of, I'm actually happy that I made that decision to leave because it was like, wow, this is great. I can kind of do a lot of things and I'll bring a lot of people on board. So it's really great to even have, have that along in this journey. And of course, we're happy to have you here. Actually. So <laughs> we appreciate. So maybe if we look from kind of what you've learned over the course of your career, what are some of the best practices companies can follow when they're just getting started, right? And developing their goals for diversity and inclusion. Oh, wow. That's a really great question. And it's really simple at that. I think when we hear diversity and inclusion, like, again, it's like a sexy topic, but it's a scary topic, too, because we just don't know where to start. And that's where the work actually begins is where to start. And I advise, you know, not only Dan Foss, but others who are listening to listen to your people, because that's what it's all about. Diversity and inclusion is about how you treat people. People remember how you treated them. And the one thing that you do not want someone to be in this organization that you're in or leave to say, I was treated unfairly. Right. That's the whole bottom line of that. So that's what um, I definitely highly suggest is just listen to your people, but also gauge where your leadership team is at, because we role model what our leadership does. And that's one of the main things in conversations that we have here in Danfoss. And that's one of the wonderful things that makes my job easier is because the passion is there at the leadership level, as well as cascading throughout all leadership teams, which is great. And it's not just centered on North American side of house. It's all over the globe. So the passion is shared. So that definitely makes it easier. The next thing is gain the trust, especially if you're in this space of diversity and inclusion as a champion, as a practitioner, or if you're leading the DNI agenda, it's gain the trust of the people. Be very transparent in what you do. Be honest because people will see through all the the fluff, if you will. And you don't have to show results, but whether the results are good or bad, just show the results. Be very transparent in what you're doing. So gaining that trust is really important to really drive the agenda and the message for the organization. So those are the three main things that I would highly suggest and that we practice here in this organization is really just making sure that the passion is there uh, and that you're listening. And then you're also making sure that folks are transparent Mm -hmm. in what you're doing. Right. So in our last podcast, we talked about ESGs and their importance to the business. Uh, Dan Foss, we recently announced our ESG goals of decarbonization, circularity, and diversity and inclusion. Why should companies include diversity and inclusion as part of their ESG goals? Oh, that's really an important thing because ESG is not going anywhere, just like diversity and inclusion. So it's going to constantly evolve. And um, for ESG, it's the environmental and the social and the governance that organizations are taking a stance on to how do they better transitioning their business operations to be more sustainable, not only for the environment, but for their people. And the great part of that, and I love how social is in the middle of environment and governance because the social focuses on the people. 
And it's kind of like the glue. It holds the two ends together. And I like to think of it like an Oreo cookie almost, where you have the nice feeling that holds the two cookies in together. And that's how that social should be kind of considered. And that's how we kind of modify our social component, because as we focus on the people, it's not just, oh, how do we treat folks? But it's also how are we looking at the human rights? How are we looking at um, the racial ties, looking at where we as positioning our organization to making sure that we're treating everyone fairly, but also have accessibility to no matter what walk or life you come from or experience that you have, you have a space in your organization. And how are you utilizing those folks and on your teams? So that's really what it's all about on that social component. So in order to drive your business, you need your people. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that's just uh, business one on one. You need people to kind of drive your your market, your business, your products, your services all the way through. And how you treat them is something to be looked at. And I think uh, the pandemic really has put a magnifying glass on everything that we do now. I say it's a gift and a curse because a lot of organizations never really saw flexible workspaces as an option. Now they have been mandatory because of a pandemic and you want to make sure that your people are safe. Empathy has become a, a nice competencies that leadership have really taken value of. How do I make sure my folks are OK? What's going on with them? And, and as we kind of transition and being being affected indirectly or directly with the pandemic, how are we making sure that mentally we're OK? Because there's a lot going on. We've lost a lot, uh, whether it's financially, we lost members of our own loved ones. It's a lot going on with that and it's very taxing. So focusing on your people has really been like the top agenda for ESG. So when we focus on that, that's really, um, I would say the S part is probably the most important part because we drive the environment. The things that we do day in and day out will affect us. Climate change, green transition, when we talk about the food chain, and all those great things, people are involved in that. <laughs> so it all makes sense it's really important for companies to really start to look at their business mm -hmm. and how do they kind of engage to be uh, forward thinking, but also what people can they bring to the table if they already have them? Do you have things in place to identify that wonderful uh, talent, skill set, or that passion? And then how are you attracting those that are not there in your organization so you can sustain in the future? Mm -hmm. Yep. You mentioned on the management side that there's good buy-in and drive from the Danfoss management side and critical for the business moving forward. And you also said how the people are really the important part, you know, in the organization, make sure things are going. So what do you see from uh, employees or even prospective employees? What are they looking for these days in an organization to be doing in the area of uh, diversity and inclusion? Okay, this is my turn to put the uh, the sexy voice <laughs> yeah. on, right? So what are people looking for in an employer? Well, statistics actually show that employees, uh, future employees, really looking for an organization that is purpose-driven. That makes an impact. And you heard that from my background and how I was looking for my next adventure as well. And that's from all different walks, whether it's entry level or executive level. They want to make a difference. They want to make an impact. So it's really great for organizations to look at their portfolio to say, what are we doing for the betterment of mankind mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. the environment? Ties into ESG, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it, that's really where that focus should be on. Uh, and that's what we look to when we're looking for an employer is how are we making a difference. The same thing for uh, internal employees. In order to retain them, they want to see that type of representation in the organization. They want to see people that look like them or have the same thought process to aspire to be in these high level positions to say, wow, I really can make it. I can really do that because we're, we're not going to be here forever. Right. So uh, you want to make sure that you have some people that are competitive 
and create that diverse succession plan mm-hmm. to make sure that you know you're retaining the appropriate skill set and helping those along the way. So that's really what employees are really looking for in an organization is just how do we make that impact not only for the environment, but also impact for them as a professional? Are we investing in them? Right. Yeah. And then part of the, I guess, the employees making an impact, something new to Danfoss anyway, are employee resource groups, right? Or ERGs. And can you maybe speak a little bit about what role they're playing in an organization's uh, diversity and inclusion plan? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So employee resource groups are really employee-led groups or employee communities within an organization that share a common experience or um, thought process uh, when it deals with uh, a walk of life or anything, if you will, like diversity identifiers. So for our organization, we really use them as a piece of our diversity and inclusion agenda. And this is where we'll start to evolve from D and I to D, E and I, which kind of emphasizes on equity. And that's really looking at for fairness for all people. So when we've implemented this employee resource group, employee community platform, it really kind of emphasizes the equity piece in our journey and making sure that all the voices are being amplified in the organization and looking at our systems and policies and processes. How are we, are we creating a barrier for all people to succeed, to really drive innovation for tomorrow? So what are some things that we don't see? being the masters of the machine. And these employee resource groups help us to identify those things. And they're known all across the globe. So it's great to have them uh, here in the organization. And some of our uh, aspiring organizations that we look to and partner with, we've seen ERGs help out with uh, some human trafficking initiatives. They've helped out with creating cultural awareness, especially on a sense where they have diverse teams how to connect with one another, how to recognize some of the things that make them who they are in traditions, bringing people aware and also showing the intersectionality of how we can come from different backgrounds. But at some point, we do have some similarities where we, you know, can connect and have a common bond. So ERGs are really great on more ways than one, not just on the employee side, but also the business side of the house. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. And like I said, these are new for Dan Foss and probably new for a lot of companies out there. So do you have any best practices for uh, getting them implemented or how to use them? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's getting started. It's just start. Yeah. That's the really big thing because over 90% of the Forbes organization companies invest in ERGs and they have them present. And they're also a big driver for attraction for employees who are looking to come to your organization. So 70% of the Gen Z want to see employee resource groups as a presence in your organization. So that lets you know right there that that haven't, they're a value because it reflects representation. It shows that the organization values folks of these different communities in your organization and it creates that sense of belonging so that's the basis of why you need to have them now how to get started and i could just tell you just from a lot of common practices on my end but also what we've implemented in-house at danfoss is really listening to our people checking in across the globe what groups do you want to see or communities you want to see formed in the organization and it came in almost 14 different languages just to make sure we were including everyone from not only our production side of the house, but also our office side that are embedded across the globe. How are we connecting this one unified message to resonate across the globe? And we've seen over the last couple of weeks since our major announcement that a lot of these employees really are invested. They're interested. They're excited. And that's what we want to see because they help drive the message. It just can't come from the diversity and inclusion office, staff, 
or personnel, it comes from all of us because we're all responsible for diversity and inclusion in a sense. So that's really where it all starts is really listen to your people, identify what those groups are and measure if that's something that's relatable within the organization that you can invest in. My rule of thumb is don't go too big. It's great to be ambitious, but you don't want to have too many groups to where you cannot monitor and give them the value added because there's some financial stability that's needed for each one of those. So if you can't handle it on the dollar sign, make sure you have enough that's uh, measurable mm -hmm. so you can give them the proper support that's needed so they can thrive. You mentioned, right, try to make the uh, one message resonate with everybody, right, making sure we're giving them the proper resources and so on. And that maybe kind of leads to one of the challenges within uh diversity and inclusion is how do you make sure it's working? How do you make sure you're achieving the desired goals, right? How can and should companies measure the success of their initiatives? Well, that's another great question. And it's one of the questions that a lot of us in our practice always find it very difficult because it's hard to measure people sometimes when you don't measure butts and seats. But you're measuring like the behavior. And that's really hard to measure someone's behavior because that's always a moving target. Right. So there's things that are in place in the practice that we utilize as a baseline tool, and that's measuring the inclusion or employee engagement score. And we use that through our inclusion index through our annual survey. And we measure certain parameters where we ask those D, E, and I questions about, do you feel included? Do you feel like that you're getting accessibility to all the information, whether it's on the professional development side or just information? So that's been really helpful to set a score benchmark so we can set the next score that we want to try to achieve and the practices that we're going to put in place to drive that. In addition to that, that's just the basics. So we're pushing the needle even further by looking into our uh, ethics and compliance, looking at the number of complaints coming in. And that really drives a number because that shows you if you have a safe environment where employees feel safe to speak up at work. And that ties into our psychological safety campaign that will be coming up in the future at Danfoss. So we've been working uh, with our stakeholders on the ethics side of the house of looking at our reporting, what type of reports are being reported out and looking at that complaints number to ensure that we drive that to keep that low or if not non-existent, which we all wish to have. But those are some things that we utilize as additional measurement to make sure that it's working mm -hmm. and creating a safe environment, but also an inclusive workspace. Talking about measuring those DE&I objectives, since you arrived at Danfoss at leading this group, right, you've been hard at work at developing the overall DE&I roadmap and those objectives. So maybe can we go a little bit deeper? What are Danfoss's DE&I goals and how were they developed? Oh, absolutely. So I will not take credit for this whole agenda because it takes all of us. So everyone at Danfoss has a hand in this, but I have a really great team of individuals across each segment that help out in the regions that we kind of bounce ideas off and figure out where can we really measure this moving forward. So with a collaborative effort and our traction that we've done prior to my arrival to Danfoss, two of our main goals is really just to continuously improve in our recruitment, retention, and representation efforts as it stems from diversity and inclusion. So that's really looking at the employee life cycle from the time that we attract someone to the time that they decide to move on, whether it's retirement or to another chapter, have we done our job? Because diversity and inclusion touches everything. So that's one of the main focuses there, looking at our systems, uh, processes, policies that's in place and that employee lifecycle to alleviate any systemic barriers. The second uh, goal that we have is really to create diverse management teams. So we've also started our traction in having 30% women in leadership, which was great. But it's also want to make sure that we're being inclusive. So that means our employees who identify outside of women, making sure that they feel included. 
And sometimes that message can be misconstrued where the intent is really just to create that gender equity and putting out there that there's a seat for everyone. And we're just asking you just scoot over a little bit and add a chair and not take away your chair for someone else. That's something, the one of the perceptions that we're trying to alleviate here. And I think a lot of people need to be mindful of that are listening in their own organization is how you create that message of inclusion without excluding the majority as well. You want to get them as allies on board. So creating a diverse management teams is how we kind of reframe that to look at those teams across the board to ensure that we have diversity present that's visible and non-visible. So we talked a little bit about the challenges of the measurement, and then we talk a bit more about Dan Foss's objectives specifically. How are we going to measure the success of our own program? Oh, that's like asking the keys to the kingdom, yeah. right? Oh, my God. Got to get into hard stuff. Well, you know, that's what we say in, in the government. If I tell you, I have to kill you, but I don't want to put that on the recording taking anyone's life. But um, I think that's a really valid question of how we're going to do it. So we've actually started our trajectory and how we're measuring and what we're doing. First, by really looking into um, the intention of our diversity and inclusion, where are we really headed? Where do we really want to go? And how are we meeting the needs of our ambitions through ESG to making sure that we have a strong posture for diversity and inclusion? The next phase was actually implementing the employee resource groups because we had a couple of acquisitions over the last year. So bringing in some really great individual employees was awesome, but we want to make sure that they they stay. We want to make sure we create an environment where they feel like they belong. They add value. So the employee resource groups allows us to do that because they brought some of those great practices along with them. And then some of our great folks who have the background of employee communities have added value as well. So creating that nice little fraction of a piece is an added value to us. So our next piece on our roadmap is really becoming more serious about how do we look at where we're going, adding a value of equity. So transitioning again from that DNI diversity and inclusion to implementing that equity piece. And so there's a couple of things that we've done. So we have several yoga sessions and mental health sessions to focus on the mental health of people. So that's been really great. Some of the other things that we have done is focused on pay equity and also benefits. So there's been a lot of talk about parental leave and there's some traction that we've been making so far. And the next step is how do we cascade that across all our offices across the globe. So there's a lot of talk about equity. So transitioning into DE&I is really pivotal for our next step because we're already starting to have those conversations and uh, making those marks in that road, that uh, kind of like trajectory. So Vic, I, I just have to know, uh, you know, we had so many great conversations outside of the podcast. And one of the questions that, uh, you know, that has been kind of like burning inside is just when it comes to diversity and inclusion, what are you curious about? Because that's what it's all about, the curiosity. Mm -hmm. Wow, okay. Turning the tables, I like it. Um, maybe the question for me is, right, I see myself as uh, generally a good guy, right? Um, I follow the golden rule, do unto others uh, and all that good stuff. So if I'm acting, quote unquote, right, if I'm doing all the good things, then why do we even need all these other, right, diversity and inclusion, all these other programs and that stuff? I mean, were we doing something wrong in, in the past or what is it now that's changed that we decided it's time to add something like this? Right. That's a good question because I believe you're a good guy. We and I have kind of connected very well and I can definitely assume that you have that wonderful positive mindset where you treat everybody fairly. You just, it's this natural instinct for you. But knowing that you're there's not millions of you in this world, Thankfully. right? So everybody thinks differently. And even with the course of history, 
of treating people unfairly and um, segregation and things like that across the globe and how we treat people is different, which is why we have diversity, equity and inclusion, because it's just how the world is changing and everly changing. And the one thing that not only companies, but people have to realize is that even though we think things are moving in the right direction, there's still some folks that are still on the fence or still just like, you know what, this is not my cup of tea. And there's room for that. But we're not going to change everybody's mindset in the day. And I do believe, and this is just something personally that Ashley kind of uh, keeps in the back of her mind, is that we don't see diversity and inclusion or we don't speak the words until it's close to us, until it happens to us. So, for example, if I'm not selected for a position, well, where's where's the rightness in me? Why did I not get accepted? Is it because I'm this? Is it because I'm that? Then you start to pick out those identifiers that could possibly be, you know, and it and it may not even be that. So, you know, it's really great to bring those all those aspects to the table because, you know, there's there's some great people out there and there's some bad people out there. And I've learned that from being in the federal government. You see all different sides and the mirror has two faces, if not more. But when it comes to this space of DNI, it's really okay. What can we do to make sure that when you step foot in our spaces and our offices, wearing wearing our paraphernalia, you belong. There's a space. There's no question about that. And if there, we have to kind of see any type of behavior outside of that then we have to make sure we correct that or put some things in place to make sure, hey, that's not wanted here mm-hmm. because we want everybody to feel that same way. The golden rule, anytime you're part of this organization, you know that you are a part of this team. Mm. And that's what we need to be. That's what we emphasize and we want to continue to do that. So you're absolutely right. That curiosity is always uh, valued. But I also think that curiosity stems us from not moving forward because people are so afraid to say something. And it's okay. And it's you have to be okay to be vulnerable. And sometimes people hate to see their vulnerable side or show their vulnerable side sometimes. But we want to make sure that this environment and space is safe, it's confidential to where you can be who you are and say, you know, I just don't agree with this or I don't think it's right or what's why are we doing this? We want to make sure we have that conversation to kind of bring you along in this journey with us because everybody's not treated the same. Mm-hmm. All right. I guess I can buy that answer. Thanks, Ashley. (laughs) (laughs) Vic is buying what I'm selling. Yeah. Maybe a last question. You know, we're um, Dan Foss, being that we're a larger company, we've got uh, more resources maybe that we can commit to some of these efforts. So I think maybe we're a bit further ahead than than some other organizations out there. So hopefully maybe there's some lessons learned, um, you know, in the process and introducing and implementing uh, DNI that we did at Danfoss that we can share with the other listeners out there, you know, something that they can uh, do as they want to start their own DNI initiatives. Oh, wow. That's a an- okay. See, that's another thing I have to dig in the magic box to share yeah. with other we gotta people. You got to give away the secret sauce. Why we yeah. get- no, do we do we really want to give away the secret sauce? Of course we do. Well, because I guess that's part of being inclusive, exactly. right? That's right. And who would I be if I did not practice inclusive, mm-hmm. right? That's right. Okay. So uh, one of the things that we've learned uh, as an organization is cultural competency. Mm. That we know that the practices that we want to do is not going to be a cookie cutter effect. It's not going to fit the same everywhere. So what we've done at the global level is laid down the roadmap sort of like the spine, 
if you will, to this whole Dan Foss body, but allow our regions and segments to have the flexibility to massage how we execute based on the needs of the demographics that, that we're serving in our um, area of responsibility. And that's the great part about it, because what may work in China may now work well in Northern Europe. But there could be some commonalities of how we kind of have that conversation around inclusion mm-hmm. sure. and mental health and those great things. So that's one of the great uh, best practices that we've learned. Uh, the next best practices is really bringing employees to the fold of conversations. And that's one of the things that we're going to be implementing is a workforce um, analysis project to look at our equity in our practices. And now we're going to be asking some of our employees at all levels how does this work for you? And again, it ties into everything we were talking about early in our conversation. So that's another best practice is really putting the parameters together to have listening sessions for your employees at all levels to see where you're going, but also to measure where you've been and what you've done. And if they cannot resonate or recall some of the things that you've done, then you have not done your job of being transparent of where we're going. And that's one of the things that we're being very mindful of. So that's definitely a best practice and a lesson learned from our traditional way of doing business here at Danfoss, but also where is our next phase going is to be very transparent in where we're headed and what we're doing so folks can see where they're adding value because their time is valuable to us and especially to this line of work. So that's one of those, a couple of those best practices that we've kind of lessons learned that we've, we learned, but we also want to share with others mm-hmm. as well. Great. Fantastic. And thanks, Ashley. Great conversation. So that's it for this episode of Envisioneering Exchange. I'd like to thank my guest, Ashley Watson, Global Director of Diversity and Inclusion at Danfoss for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe to Envisioneering Exchange on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate, review, and share with your network. Thanks for listening and talk to you next time. This podcast is for information purposes only. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Envisioneering Exchange podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and not necessarily represent those of Danfoss LLC and its employees. Danfoss LLC is not responsible and does not verify for accuracy any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening on this site. This podcast series does not constitute professional advice or services. This podcast, including Danfoss LLC and the producers, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects of information contained herein. Opinion of guests are their own, and Danfoss LLC in this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about the guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is available for private, non-commercial use only. You may not edit, modify, or redistribute this podcast. The developers of the Envisioneering Exchange podcast site assume no liability for any activities in connection with this podcast or for use of this podcast in connection with any other web website, computer, or playing device.